Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome to Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight. This is Ben Hendricks, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. We're going to talk about grief and loss, living with loss, grief and God's goodness. We're going Mm. to talk about what it's like really to lose a parent, because both of us have Ben's mom and my dad. And interestingly, you know, death is universal. Everybody faces (laughs) it. Everybody walks through it with the loved one or with a friend who's lost a loved one or, you know, we're going to be in this situation. So what we thought we'd do today on this podcast episode is just to think carefully together mm-hmm. from our journey of losing each of us a parent, uh, hopefully reflect together what might be of some help and comfort and consolation and joy on this journey of life. So Ben, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your story of your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, always good to be here. Uh, my mom passed away uh, just over three years ago. Uh, I was 26 years old, so that means really the last six or so years of my life with her. Unfortunately, she was in turmoil with me because I was in my early 20s. <laughs> and so our relationship was uh, a little bit on the rockier side, but uh, in the last little bit, we kind of evened out. And uh, mm. I realized I wasn't always right. And she wasn't as bad as I made her out to be. But uh, I'll never forget on uh, December 29th, uh, I w- woke up to a phone call uh, sit a little bit before 6 a.m. And I was just sitting there laying in bed. And I'm like, why, That's, why would anyone be calling me? So I, I looked over and it said my sister's name on my phone. And I'm like, well, that's odd. Like Rachel's usually not up at this point. So I pick up the phone and... Uh, and I, I remember here, like I, it was her tone, mm. and right off the bat, I knew something had happened. And she just looks at me and she goes, "Mom's dead." Wow. And you, it, it doesn't matter. If, I'm assuming if it's at six a.m. or at six p.m., like you're never ready to hear those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I think whether yeah. you have time to prepare for it or no, not. No. And so this was one of those things that was completely out of the blue. Again, my sister's voice shaking. Mm. And I, I, again, I, I remember the conversation probably lasted a whole 30 seconds to a minute. Like it literally wasn't more than that because I didn't have words to say. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. okay." And I remember shaking and I, and I, I, and I hung up the phone and then I, I immediately after that called my grandmother who Mm. who lives, uh, lived with them. And I was like, grandma, like, like what happened? What? Mm Mm-hmm. And she again didn't have she like no one knew how to how to like how to take a step forward like they didn't right. like we didn't have words to say, and I and again I'll never forget um, she was just trying to fumble through words. She handed the phone to my dad and he goes, Ben, I I, I think you need to come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, through one of the more traumatic moments, probably the most traumatic moment of m- majority of our lives. Again, my sister having to do CPR on my mom, mm-hmm. trying to just get a breath, mm-hmm. laying on the floor next to one of our dogs, just passed away in her sleep. Hmm. And again, just having to f- kind of figure out, like, what does this mean? And I, I, 
I think one of the more interesting moments was, again, on that drive home all the way from North Carolina to Tennessee, like uh, trying to, again, take a, get a grasp of what reality was now because mm-hmm. everything had shifted. Everything right. was different, it felt like. Yep. Because for me, uh, like death was real, but it was distant. Now mm-hmm. it seemed like this close thing that was right there. We were taking a nap on the way. Janessa was willing to drive. Uh, and I woke up from the nap. And I was like, man, I, was that a dream? Did yeah. I dream all this? Was the whole thing a bad dream? Yeah. And then we eventually got there and reality set in. Yeah. And you had just gotten married within maybe a year, year and a half, and you had yep. just moved to Kinston. Yeah. And so we hadn't even had a chance to meet your mom. Yeah. And I even remember as I put out the prayer email to the church, I got your mom's name wrong. <laughs> that was so bad of me. It's okay. Everybody <laughs> did. I mean, with a, with a name like Helen Mary, all one word, there was a vast difference of things you could come up with there. It's true. From so just sorry. like, oh, odd to kind of almost crude. Yeah. But she, uh, we, I, you know, one of the things that I was very sad at is not letting, not getting to meet her. And I, I've loved getting to know your dad yeah. a little bit, Mike. He's the bomb. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of those things. But um, that was, and I remember you coming over that morning, you know, not long after that call to say, hey, I, I got to be off work for a few days. And yeah. For sure. And I'm sure I said it that concise, not <laughs> that clear. <laughs> As I was crying in Susan's like shoulder. Oh yeah, you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's fresh. Like, like honestly, we joked a little bit before. Do I need to have Kleenexes here? Because that's yeah. just fresh. That's thirty-eight months ago. Yeah, you know, f- for me, it's thirty-eight years ago. Man, like literally, it's crazy. That is wild. Gosh. And and the story of losing my dad was when I was ten, and somewhere right near my tenth birthday in January, he started having these bad headaches and he Mm. couldn't really read right. And so, you know, he's early 40s. Well, maybe put on a pair of reader glasses like everyone else in their early 40s. And that didn't stop it. More bad headaches and stuff. Mm. And so go to the doctor. It's cancer. It's a melanoma on his eye. This is 1983. And um, so they did surgery pretty quickly in the early spring, late winter, you know, and then begin to do some chemo. But literally three, four, five months later, he's gone. August 3rd, he's gone. So from headaches in January with not a care in the world to, you know, meet the Lord in in August. And uh, I remember I was a 10-year-old. I was away at camp. I was at hockey camp. And I was on the ice, you know, for the little drill as a a 10-year-old with my group. And the director comes in, is there a Jason McKnight here? And so I had to go off. And he said, look, your, your mom called and you need to come home to Montreal from the camp. And so I got there and I, I just remember going up into the hospital where he was uh, in a coma. And then all of us siblings were gathered around his bed and my grandmother and my grandfather and, of course, my mom. My grandfather just led us in prayer. And just over the next day or two, I forget exactly, but, you know, he, he just went to be with the Lord. And, hmm. and that was just bad. <laughs> it just sucked. It was just bad. Gosh. You know, and I, I think people, and this, so these are parents, like yeah. we could have a thousand people talk about losing parents, siblings, children, spouse, yep. you know, and, and I think as, as a 10 year old losing a dad, that's a pretty big part of your world as a, mm. as a grown man with a wife losing your mom, it's a pretty big part of your world. But 
but as a spouse, and I think of all the friends like your dad, yeah. you know, and my mom, um, man. And it's funny, like in, in every one of those examples, it's like a, in my experience, my wife's experience of losing her mother-in-law, like only a year into marriage and, and my dad losing his wife. Like I'm sure in your scenarios as well, like it's, it's interesting to see how the Lord shows up continuously. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that's where we kind of wanted to land today. Right was coming with grief because you know grief has a funny way of bringing clarity hmm. uh and so i know that as as we've gotten to talk just about these circumstances about these tragedies about this grief that we've had and we still live with today mm-hmm. like there's a couple takeaways that we've i think the yeah. lord's given us or we've yep. come along like just yep. along the way and um, so why don't we kind of go back and forth a little bit? Uh, and, I'll and you be, took all the good ones. Right? I did take I, all I, the yeah, good yeah, ones. The yeah. One. Well, I also I also came up with all the good ones. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget. And this, the Lord showed up in an, such a beautiful way with one specific chapter of Scripture. Mm. The week, or the two weeks that I was gone uh, for my mom's funeral, and then helping figure out how what life was going to look like for my dad and everybody else. Uh, and he drew me straight to Romans eight, hmm. which just seems to be a funny passage to go when you're in grief. But the Lord reminded me of this one verse where he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it gave me this very specific takeaway. Hmm. And it was helpful that I didn't cause this. Hmm. Yeah, I good. think so often we get stuck. I think we can fall into this trap when we are in grief where we can feel like we're at somewhat responsible for what's happened. Like in my in this scenario, I got stuck and almost just like I was hurting because of it, like to an extra degree because I felt this weight that of all of these things, these mistakes that I'd made, all of these words that I had said to my mom that I could never take back, right. all of these actions. Like I, I remember feeling this pressure of like, my mom, I only had, like I, I moved here in July, and she died in December. I moved away in my mom's last few months, like mm-hmm. to carry that weight. Yeah, to go. I've done these things. Like, I, I like I'm the one who had done this, and because we we ultimately didn't know what the cause of death was, and and that it probably had been a little bit longer lasting of of some prior things. And so the whole time, like, man, like I probably pushed this. I, mm. those words that I said probably hurt her. Uh, these choices, these implications, these things, like and irrational it's, thoughts and, yeah. that are just and how quickly your head. we put something as heavy as someone's life and death on our own conscience, and we're burdened with that. And the Lord just very clearly, and I, I just remember as I read Romans 8 over and over and over again, getting to this verse, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ben, Amen. this isn't on you. Yeah, it's not on you. Like, we need the reminder that, yes, the Lord is sovereign. Mm-hmm. There really is heartache, and he has a purpose, and he can even do things through that grief through so many of these things, but the reality is these are not on us. They're not our responsibility. And then, you know, when we lost our third son, Joshua in the womb Mm -hmm. and we had to deliver him because he was 20 weeks old. And there we saw that the umbilical cord had gotten kinked like Mm -hmm. a garden hose. And the doctor said to Susan, this, this exact same thing. He said, look at that. There's nothing you did to cause that. 
and there's nothing you could have done to stop that. Gosh. He was just saying, it's not on you. Wow. And that's exactly what she needed. Absolutely. Because there's closure and there's freedom in that yeah. to know that. Uh, then I think the Lord brought a second thing to me. The one mm. that I think we, we probably have a, a good bit in just sharing it. Yeah. Uh, it's one I think that, again, as I was going through Romans 8, I... And Paul sitting there talking about creation groaning for the like for the coming of the sons of God. I I was hurting, I was wounded, I was just struggling, feeling like like Lord, the, it's not supposed to be this way. Why right. is it this way? Right. And right. I, that's really the second takeaway I think for hmm. us with grief is, friends, it it's not supposed to be this way. Sin and death are really, in fact, terrible things, and my fear is. And again, it's good to move on to healing and we need to, but my fear is we often try to move too quickly into healing before we ever are willing to just sit in the terribleness of what sin and death has happened. Like Mm -hmm. I can say with all honesty, I knew I hated sin. Right. That was one of the things the Lord, like I knew my own sin and I knew I hated it. But when my mom died and I made that connection, I I had a deeper level of the hatred of sin, a deeper level of the understanding and hatred of what death has done into our world. And it's been helpful for me in my walk with the Lord since being like, Lord, it's you. Like, you're the one that I want. Mm -hmm. I want to follow you and turn away from these other things because death has done this. Death has caused this great pain. And you're a healer. What, what about yeah, you? that's true. I mean, the, the, the knowledge, the understanding, the being able to live into the fact that the world is not supposed to be like this, that's a gift from God mm-hmm. because we live in a place where everything about us says that, you know, you can make your own future and achieve your dreams and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And it actually isn't true at the end of the day. You know, we, we can do a lot of those things and, you know, yeah. I can set out to be an accountant and become an accountant and so yep. on and so forth. But at the end of the day, yeah, the world is fallen. It's broken. Mm-hmm. It's shot through. I remember sharing with two brothers um, who had walked with their mom in an eight-year battle with cancer and, and, and she went to be with the Lord. She died. And, and I just, I remember saying to them, uh, you know, you've carried the fallenness of this world for eight years in your mom's sickness. Mm. And unfortunately, now you're going to carry it in her death. Like this world has fallen. And even though you're young, you know, and you have all your life ahead of you, you get to see the world a little more from God's point mm. of view in a visceral way. Maybe you wouldn't want, but now you have it. Yeah. And no matter what, you know that we're not in heaven yet. It's not always going to be the best. Yeah. It's just something's gone on and there's a deeper ache than people show. And then, so then I, as we're just kind of moving forward in this, I think the third one we can kind of touch pretty briefly on and then we'll move ahead. But, uh, it's this, this, again, the, the, this great truth of the Lord that I found, again, he revealed this in scripture and I'd read it a million times, but it was one of those places where the word became alive for me. Hmm. And the Lord quickly brought me to Psalm 34, 18, where he says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I remember being like sitting at home, uh, again, just trying to figure out with my family what this new reality was for us, what Hmm. it meant to live the rest of my life without my mom there. 
And again, preparing to like, as I was writing her eulogy and I still have the paper where there's literally like stains, like of like teardrops in that, just trying to figure out again, what this means. Mm. And I just remember like tossing the paper, almost like crumbling it up and like, Lord, if you don't show up, yeah, I don't know how I can keep going. Like it was in that moment where the Lord's presence wasn't just something I wanted or it was something I had to have. It was like when you're desperately, you need that breath of air when you're like coming up from the water and you're like, I can't go on any further. And that Lord, and the Lord was that breath for me. Like just kind of caught in this. And the beauty of it was that the God meets us in our weakness. Yeah, he does. He shows up when we are brokenhearted. And I, and I, and I, it's what we talked about earlier. And I'm sure like you can resonate with this as well as everyone who's suffered with grief. The Lord is so kind. He shows up in very specific <laughs> and amazing ways yes. when we're at our lowest, mm-hmm. when we're in our weakest. Like mm-hmm. my, some of my favorite moments of my life are when I'm at my strongest. Right. But I can say this in all honesty. The greatest moments I've ever had with Jesus are when I was most brokenhearted. When I was at my weakest point, when there was nothing else in the world that could satisfy me but the Lord, and He shows up, yeah, because He's because He's willing to and He wants to, mm-hmm. and it gave me such a good picture of just who Jesus is, and it's like it's just life giving when you know that, and not just when you know, it, but when you experience it and you see it in the moment. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I was with some friends on the weekend, and they have a little one year old. And, you know, the boy is just having a ball and going everywhere and doing whatever he wants to do. And it's great. He's giggling. And then he falls. And then he's hurting because his head hurts or whatever because he hits his head on the coffee table. And that's when he goes to mom or dad and lifts up his hands and, you know, (laughs) and what does he get? He gets the nearest hug. He's having Mm. all sorts of fun in the playpen and whatever. But when he's at his lowest and his weakest and he lifts his hands for help, and that's when mom and dad bring them close to mm. their heart. I mean, it's just, it's just a great picture right there. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought of as we were, you know, going back and forth yeah. on this talking, you know, and, and, and this may have to do with being younger when my dad died. Like, yeah. you know, you, you related about being maybe in your teens and 20s and going back and forth with your mom as yeah. all teenagers do and all that kind of stuff. I never got there. I never had a rebellious period with my dad because he was still in the hero stage. When he died, you know, if you think about it, 10 years old and so forth. And all the way through my teen years and whatever, I thought, you know, I would give anything to spend another day with my dad. I would give anything to Mm. spend another day with my dad. And then as I kept growing in the Lord and kept walking with the Lord and and experienced his healing, that didn't ever change. I'd give anything to spend another day with the dad, but I wouldn't take anything for what I've grown in the Lord. Hmm. I would not take anything for how much God has given himself to me. So like with all my heart, I wish my dad could meet Susan and the boys Hmm. and uh, Grace Fellowship and Kinston and all this kind of stuff because I just love where God has put us. But I would never want to lose how much God has become both my father and my friend. And I think part of that is because of my weakness, like the, what you were just saying a minute ago, yeah. it just kept me with my arms up to him. You know, yeah. Psalm 68, he's a father to the fatherless, you know, and that's what he became to me. So I have a feeling I wouldn't have drawn as close to him. And that doesn't mean nobody else would. I just, it's my journey. 
Yeah. I have a feeling my greed and conceit would, <laughs> would have yeah. kept me going on, you know, the American dream and becoming a millionaire or whatever. And I probably would have just been a nice Christian guy hmm. instead of just, man, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. So, yeah, I'd give anything to spend another day, but I wouldn't, I would not take the whole world for how much I've grown in the Lord and been as he's drawn me near yeah. my weakness. I th- I'm the exact same way. I, gosh, man, I would do anything, almost yep. anything to just have like another day, like, like, mom, like, let's, let's hang out with Jeanette. Let, let's go yep. to some of our favorite spots. Let's spend time with dad. Let's spend like just with family. But you're right. Like all that the Lord has taught me, shown me, and I think led me to over the last couple of years is worth the amount of grief that has come along with, mm. with what's happened. Yeah. And that's a good thing to know that I think yeah, for anyone rest who's listening or watching is like, you can know, like no matter where you are in the stages of grief, the up, down curves, all of that, like the Lord, what he's going to do through that, because he does draw near to the brokenhearted. It's going to, it can be, and is going to be some life changing things if you'll just draw near to him as well and you'll yeah. ask him in. Uh, so, how about one more from me and then mm-hmm. we'll let you finish just because we're, as we're getting a little short on time. Uh, this one's kind of a practical one. Okay. Uh, just from the couple of weeks that I was spending at home. And it's this that a good reminder that showing up is more important than saying something. So showing up is more important than saying something. So with someone who is grieving. Yes. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so I again, it. and I, I remember thinking about this as, uh, again, I was at home and we had all these family friends and acquaintances and everybody in between who would come by. And again, I, it was almost like pre-recorded saying like, and again, like not to right. like judge them on that because they're, they're just trying to figure out what to say. Like who knows what you're supposed yeah. to say. And I, and I, again, it was funny, like to, maybe this is just for me, but. I feel like almost nothing anyone said really made a difference to me. But the things that really changed hmm. were not just the words, the warm, even the warm words of how great my mom was or the difference she made in their lives. It was when people would come over to our house and just be like, you know, bringing the cheesecake or the, the, the chicken tenders or whatever it was, was great. And that was awesome. <laughs> But I remembered very distinctly mm. when a good family friend of ours came over again, yes, with food, yeah, yeah, but he got there, and my my biggest fear in that moment was he was just going to drop it off and leave, and I remember thinking in my head, I was like, "Please just stay, yeah, and over the last like over that that couple of hours, we talked, we joked, we made mm. fun of each other, we made we made a couple of jokes at my mom's expense, mm. and it was just part of this like he was hurting, we were hurting, and we were in this together. Sure. Look, there are no perfect words that make everything better. There's not this amazing story that can always make us grateful. The reality is the truth is that we just hurt, that we're, we're struggling. Mm-hmm. But what I found was that through people being willing to just sit with us, they stayed near, they gravitated towards, hmm. they served, they helped. They were just in it with us. There was a life in knowing that other people outside of just who just are the immediate family were in this with us. And we saw the grace of God through other people who were pouring in. Yeah. 
That's so good. That is so good. Showing up is more important than saying anything. Yep. You don't have to have the right words as someone to bring comfort. Yeah, because I think so, we, we often pull away because we don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. And so but I, just getting yeah. to show up. Yep. Well, the last one that maybe we could think about, and again, this is like, like what you just shared. This is sort of an outward thing, but you don't get to build a legacy. You just mm. leave one. Mm. I mean, we don't know when we're going to die. Your mom didn't know. My dad didn't know. He yeah. couldn't rewind the tape after the cancer diagnosis and make it better. He just left the legacy that he was living. Mm. And that's yeah. just such a reminder to us. And it, and it really impressed me as people over the years would say, here's what your dad meant to me. Here's the encouragement he was to me yeah. when I was first starting out in business or when I was young, married, or different people, you know, over the 38 years, yeah. telling me how just in little ways, Phil McKnight pointed them to Christ. And... It, it's just amazing. And, and so since I was, you know, 12, 14, 15, I was like, Lord, how do I matter like that? Hmm. And I just think that's how God wants us to live. It's not, it's not just like, oh, I'm now as a dad going to spend quality time with my kid and this is going to be the legacy <laughs> I live. It's my life with my kids. Yeah. That is the legacy you're going to leave. I remember this morning in my uh, daily Bible reading, I was reading a verse that my buddy and I uh, in our 20s just kind of picked out for a few years as the verse that would just drive us forward in Christ. And it's from Acts chapter 20. And we called it the prize winner. We just mm -hmm. called it the prize winner. And here's Paul saying to the Ephesian elders, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete mm -hmm. the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He's like, nothing else matters as long as that, that's leaving a legacy. Amen. That's leaving a legacy. So, you know, whether I'm losing my dad, you're losing your mom, we're talking about all these other things. Nobody gets to, nobody gets to plan for the legacy unless you're living for Jesus and then your whole life mm -hmm. is the legacy. And frankly, everyone's life is their legacy, but yep. living for Jesus just makes that super, super special. Amen. Well, thanks, Ben, for sharing part yeah. of your life with us and for listening to me share a little bit of my <laughs> life. And thank you all for joining us as we kind of lean into God's goodness in our grief and living with loss. Uh, again, I'm Jason McKnight and Ben Hendricks is with us. And we'd love for you to like or subscribe, share this with a friend who's walking through this. Hopefully it'll bless them as well. Mm -hmm. And have a great day. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.